We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. And I'll tell you what, I say that all the time, rarely does it mean and more. But today it is and more. More on that in a second. Uh, I want to thank everybody, whether you're listening to this on the audio side, whether you're checking us out on the video side via YouTube. I appreciate you all. Um, so yeah, about that and more thing. I want to tell a quick story that I'm going to bring in my guest today. And if you're a New York Yankees fan, not going to want to miss this episode. You know what? If you're a baseball fan, you're not going to want to miss this episode beyond just the Yankees. But anyway, about... I don't know, maybe a month or so ago. It's like mid to late October. I don't remember exactly when, but I'm sitting here in my home office, kind of bored and doing some work. And I wanted to throw something on TV. You know, I tend to do that a lot. I'll throw something on, even if it's just like kind of like background noise, some YouTube videos, stuff like that. And every couple of weeks, I'll check out Netflix and see what's on there. So I put on Netflix a handful of weeks ago. And uh, among the, the recently added section, it was a documentary and it was called, um, it ain't over a Yogi bear documentary. I'm like, well, I'm a lifelong Yankees fan, man. You know, I'm gonna, I'll check this out again, being completely transparent here with the intention of what I usually do, put it in a little background noise, peeping my eyes up at the TV every now and then. Well, I put this on and within five to 10 minutes, it's got my attention. Like I stopped doing all the stuff that I was working on maybe halfway through I'm enthralled. Uh, an hour or so in, I'm thinking to myself, and I'm not, this is not an exaggeration here. I'm thinking to myself, this is one of the best sports documentaries that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I truly mean that by the end of it, legit crying, tears, some happy, some very sad, all the feels sentimental. So after watching this, I did something that I'm not sure that I've ever done. Certainly not when it comes to a, a TV or a film thing, when it pertains to this show. I go on Twitter. I see who directs the film. Then I go online and I look it up and I, and I see the name and the director, is, his name is Sean Mullen. I go on Twitter. Uh, or first, actually, first things first, I <laughs> tweeted about it to, to all my followers and caught your eye at one point. And then I looked you up. 
and I said, you know what? This is somebody I need to get on this show. <laughs> Buffalo sports or not, man, this documentary moved me that much. So for everybody out there on the audio side who's not looking at a video screen, I am joined today by the director and writer of It Ain't Over, a documentary about Yogi Bear. It's on Netflix right now. Uh, Sean Mullen. Sean, what's going on, man? It's good to meet you, and it's great to have you on this podcast. Appreciate you. Well, I tell you, man, I, I wish you introed all my interviews here. You, that was amazing. Thank you so much <laughs> for that. That was that was the best, one of the best reviews we've gotten. No, the reviews have been incredible for the film, you know, through the roof. And, uh, and it, you know, you just, you know, when you make a film, you're not really thinking about reviews. You're not thinking about anything. You're just trying to tell a great story. And, you know, we were able to piece something together that, that has meant a lot to a lot of people. And it, it's made me feel really good. So. Oh, well, I, I'll tell you, it was, um, again, I, I'm being completely honest with you. I didn't know about the documentary about the film i literally stumbled on it and I'm, I'm glad i did because like i said at the top it's truly one of forget about baseball it's one of the best sports documentaries i honestly i i've ever seen in my life and i, and I mean that well um, thank you know you know we actually had some uh some guy from one of the some techs i think it's techno sports or some some website some guy he crammed all the data he took um he took every sports documentary in history and he, he looked at all the reviews from IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, and he put them together. And we are actually the number highest rated feature film, a documentary sports film of all time. So, that's, so yeah. it, that, it's, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool to get that. So, you know, that that's the great thing about social. You know, there are some good things about social media, sure. and, and that was that was one of them. That was one of them. Is to you know when we when when I come across uh, stats like that, it, it makes me feel good. And and like I said, you never really make these movies for the reviews, or you never really know what people are going to think. You just you know you go in try to tell a great story, and just you know to have some. Someone like Yogi Berra as the centerpiece. I mean, it was su such a rich life to draw from, and and so I felt really fortunate. You know, we got the, you know, it was independently made film, and we just went to the, we just approached the Berra family out of the blue and said there needs to be a Yogi Berra documentary. Like, and we went and raised the money independently, which is also strange. Most most sports documentaries are commissioned by either ESPN or HBO or something like that, and so this is a completely independent production that we went out, raised the money from friends and family, approached the Berra family, they gave us their blessing. Uh, Yogi had been passed, he had passed away in 15, 2015. We uh, started. Um, we approached the family in 2018, uh, like three years after his passing, and um, and then yeah, it took us five years to get it made and a labor of love. And you, when you watch it, you can tell them. You know? Oh, absolutely. Um, you, you referred to some reviews. I went on Rotten Tomatoes earlier and I looked up. 98% is the score on Tomato Meter. I'm like, holy shit. I mean, like literally, doesn't get better than that. A 96% audience score. I mean, that's. That's a Michael Jordan of a uh, documentary uh, films right there. You know, and we'll talk about the film itself in a second. I need a little bit to know. I literally don't know much about you except a couple things. One of them, you're from Indianapolis, and we talked briefly because you said you hated the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, Buffalo Bills were taking this on Monday, so it's still very fresh, a fresh yeah. wound here in uh, in Buffalo. You're a Colts fan, uh, I, yeah, I'm a fan right now. Yeah, I'm a Colts fan. Uh, you know, I actually hate the Patriots more than the Eagles. The reason I don't like the Eagles is because I lived in New York. I went to undergrad and grad school in New York, and I, I also lived in, in New York for a while. So I, I my NFC team are the Giants, uh, and so my AFC team are the Colts. So, uh, so yeah, so I don't like the Eagles and the Patriots. Those are the two teams I can't stand. And so needless to say, that Super Bowl was tough to watch, but yeah. <laughs> so did you, you grow up a Colts fan? Yeah, I did grow up a Colts fan. So I've been a Colts fan from, you know, Jack Trudeau, I mean, back in the day, you know. Yeah, they're uh... – it's weird because it's like they shouldn't be really good this year. You know what I mean? The quarterback, you draft a rookie quarterback, he goes down, yeah. he's out for the season, but this is just yeah. a team that's fighting and clawing and finding their way to, to win games. Whereas the Bills, 
all the talent in the world on paper. This season, it's just things aren't going their way, and they're finding ways to lose games, such as yeah. this Monday in Philly, man. It's tough. That, that was a tough loss. Yeah, that was yeah, really tough. For sure. All right, so anyway, what got you into <laughs> – Wanting to be a filmmaker to begin with, because it fascinates me. You know, most of my guests on this show, I talk to sports media people. I talk to athletes and it's always fascinating to me to learn about that period of time in their lives when they decide, you know, I want to, I want to be in the NFL or I want to cover the NFL. I want to do this or I want to do that. When it comes to you and, and what you're doing now, you talk about this, you know, your labor of love, it's your career now. At what point in your life did you remember saying to yourself, this is something that I really want to do? Yeah, I mean, I I very distinctly remember the, the moment it happened. I mean, I you know I had always been into storytelling in high school and everything like that, and I was always like kind of the kid telling jokes and you know doing comedy even in high school. But then I went off to West, you know, I one of six kids, and my 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 parents didn't have you know any money, and so the last thing my parents ever bought me was a one way plane ticket to West Point, you know, and so I uh, went four years at the academy there, and then served in the military. I played rugby at West Point, and uh, you know I, I I bought a video camera, and started recording, you know, videos of. Um, you know, my buddy's doing stupid things. And I, I started like thinking, hey, maybe I could tell stories. And I, I never thought about doing it for a living until fast forward. I'm living in New York City in um, 2001. And um, I'm doing stand-up comedy at night and improv theater and stuff. And then, and then I'm also one week in a month. I'm in the New York National Guard. So I was uh, I was the plans officer for Manhattan uh, in 2001. And so that didn't really mean much until September 11th happened. And then I was in charge of, you know, the plans for Manhattan. So I was, you know, in my uniform by noon that day, I was a first responder down at ground zero. Oh, wow. And, and I'm spending better part of the next nine months down at ground zero. And, you know, you're down there and I'm just still doing kind of comedy at night and it was a dark time and it was just a crazy, crazy experience for me. And I said, you know what? Life is short, you know, do what you love. And so I applied while I was at ground zero, I applied to grad school uh, for film directing and I got accepted. I got accepted to Columbia university's MFA program right there in Manhattan. And so I, I went straight from ground zero, August of 2002. I resigned from the military as a captain, um, you know, straight straight from ground zero and I went right to uptown, went right up to 116th street at Columbia and I got my MFA, I got my master's in fine arts and film directing. And uh, I was at Columbia from 02 to 05 and I moved to LA in 06. And I've been out in LA, I've been out here now for 17 years, just hustling, working on all different types of movies and, you know, working my way up the, the kind of sort of Hollywood food chain. And then, you know, this film has been a big, a big success for me. So it's, it's, it's been a, you know, it's been a long ride, but, but, but worth it. And, you know, I do what I, I do. What I love, which is, you know, um, saying a lot. That's a, that's a fascinating story and how you got into filmmaking and, and going to Columbia. Uh, you, you mentioned comedy. You do, you've done some like stand up comedy. That's a different animal. Like what is that like? And does it, you know, it's one thing to be around, you know, your, your boys and your, and your best female friends and, you know, being the jokester and stuff like that. It's a whole other animal. I would assume I never would have the balls to do it. Plus I'm not that funny, but to get on stage and be able to perform, I don't care if it's in front of five people, a hundred, whatever it may be, doing improv, comedy, stuff like that. Talk about that a little bit. Oh, I loved it, man. I mean, I loved stand up and I, you know, I, and I, I found some success actually with it. I got repped by a company called Coastal Entertainment, which is a big management company. I started doing shows in, you know, Jersey and Long Island and stuff like that. And so I, I really loved it. Um, I was not as good at improv, which is a completely different skill set. I, I kept getting mm -hmm. my head and I kept freezing. So improv was not my thing, but, but I was good at stand up and I loved doing it. But then I got to the point where in order to make this a stand up comedian, you have to be on the road. You got to hit the road. You got to be on the road 200, 200 days a year. And I just, I just got accepted to grad school for film. So I kind of had like a bad breakup with, with stand-up, you know, and I was like, uh, and if I can't have you, I won't have you at all. You know, <laughs> I just gotta stop, gotta stop doing it. So you've been out in LA now for a while, obviously, you know, moved there, I'm sure for professional yep. reasons. What was that 
adjustment like? You know, you grow up, like I said, in Indianapolis, spent so much time in New York, East Coast, going out to the West Coast. I just had the Bills-Eagles game on Sunday. I had a couple buddies over. One of them is a friend who lives near Oakland who's mm-hmm. visiting. I kind of talked to him a little bit about this, just that that time difference in, in terms of lifestyle. If you're a fan of, say, the Buffalo Bills or the New York Giants in your case, you mm-hmm. know, your NFC team, you're getting used to every week, you know, them playing at 10 o'clock most of the time <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that. Like the just the whole adjustment of living out in the West Coast. Did that take a while for you to really adjust to it? It did take a while. Yeah. I mean, LA took definitely took a while to get used to. I mean, I was definitely had New York in my heart, you know, and, and so much from, you know, especially the experiences I had in New York and, and all that. My father was born in Brooklyn, raised in Long Island and all that. So I, I, I definitely had a lot of New York in me, but no, I mean, you know, you get used to it. I kind of like now, you know, I'm getting older now too. So the 10 o'clock start times aren't <laughs> so bad, you know, especially the Monday night stuff is, you know, that initially was always all out of whack for me, you know, Sunday sure. the night games, but now it's kind of great. So no, I love it. I love it now, but it, it definitely, it's an adjust. Anybody who moves out to LA or anywhere on the west coast it, it's a it's a different world out here for sure i want to play the trailer it's about a two minute trailer for people who can see you can see it on the video side if you're listening on the audio side you'll be able to hear it and trust me you'll be able to get a good sense just from uh, the audio portion of it so i want to play your trailer i know you've seen it a million times like i said you're about to see it for one million and one right now i want to play it because to me this just gets you the trailer itself which i'm Still can't believe being a lifelong Yankees fan. I didn't know about this documentary until I stumbled on it. I want to make sure a lot of people listening or watching this right now that they don't make that mistake, that they don't have to stumble upon it. Here's the trailer, and then right after that, I'll be back and uh, we'll start talking about this documentary. The 2015 All-Star Game features the four greatest living baseball players. Hank Aaron, Johnny Bench, Sandy Koufax, and Willie Mays. We're all absolutely amazing players in their own right, but I'm in the room sitting next to my grandfather, Yogi Berra, and I'm thinking, wait a second. He's got more MVPs than any of these guys. He's won more World Series rings than all four of them combined. And I look at him and I said, are you dead? And he said, not yet. One of the greatest World Series resumes of any player ever. Hey, he got it done. He was a winner because he had all the rings to prove it. He's the figure that was larger than life. There's no Jackie without the acceptance of Yogi Berra. When Yogi comes to the team, they say he doesn't look like a Yankee. He wasn't six foot three with blonde hair. Everything about him was kind of funny. He was a character. He was made fun of in the New York press. But that sort of became who Yogi Berra was, this funny little guy. That's right, Yogi Berra. I don't think Yogi liked it too much. The Yogiisms. Let's talk about the Yogiisms. He said, nobody goes to that restaurant anymore. It's too crowded. When you get to a fork in the road, take it. What? And it ain't over till it's over. It makes a lot of sense. That personality of his actually served to take away from his legacy as a baseball player. It always felt wrong. It's not fair to him. He's just a gentle, kind soul. He was loved by so many people in this country. Total respect for Yogi, a guy that everybody loved, not because he was cute and funny, it's because he was good and he was real. He was the most overlooked superstar in the history of baseball. That's a that's an incredible trailer right there. Billy Crystal saying that's the most overlooked baseball player in history. I wanted to ask you a couple questions. Then 
kind of dive into this documentary, but you're, you're educating me in a way because I know how athletes work now and how they think. And I know how sports media, news media people think and how, you know, ideas come about when it came to this documentary specifically, like what's the origins of it? What's the roots? Like what gave you, you know, the, the motivation, the inspiration to want to do this specifically? Yeah. So, um, the idea actually, uh, came to me, I was approached by two producers in, in the summer of 2018, it was Peter and Mike Soboloff. They're big Yankee fans. It's a father son duo out of New York. And, uh, I'd worked with them on a previous film and they, they had just seen, um, a documentary about Mr. Rogers that came out in 2018, uh, and uh, that, that, that did really well. And there was another documentary about RBG that did really well. So there was a lot of like bio documentaries that were doing well in theaters. And so they wanted to know why there wasn't one about Yogi Berra. And they went to the Yogi Berra golf, um, a charity golf event, and, and they talked to Yogi's, uh, sons, his three sons and said, Hey, how come there's, uh, no, no documentary about your dad? And in typical Yogi Berra fashion, Dale Berra, his son said, there's no, there's no movie because no one's made one yet. So, uh, and, 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 uh, and, um, you know, we jumped right in and, 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 and started meeting with the family. And I, and we ultimately started, you know, as we started interviewing people, I, I got really got to know Yogi's granddaughter, Lindsay, very, very well. Mm -hmm. And, 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 uh, you know, she's just such a compelling human in every, every way. Um, but, uh, you know, she kept telling me this story. Every time I interviewed her, every time I talked to her, she kept telling the story about how she watched the 2015 all-star game, uh, with her grandfather. And like, you know, they, they bring out the greatest living players and you know, he wasn't kind of in that group. And, th and there's no, um, you know, there's, we're not saying that Yogi is better than any four of those guys. It's not, there's no, nothing about right. that. There's no, no gripes. Those four, the four dudes they brought out were, I mean, are, are, are for the all time greatest ever, ever, ever play the game. But, you know, just the idea that Yogi is definitely should have been in the conversation, right? And like, how come he's not in the conversation? And, and it's sure. not just that there are other reasons, you know, he's been left out of other conversations that I can, you know, get into like a lot of people. I mean, this is, I'm going to throw out one quick stat that's not in the film that will really make you think of Yogi Bear in a different way, but there's only two players in the history of baseball who finished top four MVP voting seven years in a row, which is an extremely high, high level of sustained excellence. And it's Mike Trout and Yogi Berra. So wow. people don't put, you know, people don't put Yogi in that at that level as a player, you know? And so that those are the type of things we really wanted to get after with this documentary, you know. How do you go about getting in touch with some of the the talking heads? Because one thing about this documentary that <laughs> I just loved almost as much as anything else was the roster of talking heads. Let me just throw out some of them for people watching and listening right now. You mentioned Yogi's granddaughter, Lindsay, who brings so much in this documentary. Joe Madden, one of the greatest uh, modern day managers in baseball, period. Joe Torrey, Bob Casas, I wrote some down. Vince Scully, Billy Crystal, Derek Jeter, his son, Dale Bears, other two sons, Bobby Richardson, you know, older Yankee fans definitely know who that is. Willie Randolph, one of my favorite New York Yankees of all time. Nick Swisher, Joe Girardi, Don Manley, Ron Guidry, my dad's favorite player of all time, Al Steinbrenner's in this. So many influential and important talking heads in this film. How do you go about getting some of these people? You know, it was the, that's where the Bear family really came in and in, into in, in play, and especially Lindsay. So what? What? I mean, the very first shoot day we we shot. Um, you know, you'll see in the film. There's a you know, there's a whole scene with Dale Barra writes a book about his dad. Dale Barra had some drug uh, addiction issues, and he wrote yeah. a book about it. So that was our first, that was the first thing we shot actually, and that was oh. in May of nine May of nineteen. That was the first day of shooting, and that's where I really got to know Lindsay. And Lindsay said, "Hey, listen, Vin Scully's very old. You know, he's he. We really need to get Vin." So she's like, she called up Vin Scully and she said, "Hey, Vin." And it's it's Lindsay Barra. We're making a movie about Grandpa. 
you know, uh, uh, could we get 30 minutes of your time? And, and he's like, absolutely, Lindsay, anything for, anything for Yogi. And that, that was really what happened is everybody just said anything for Yogi. So we got Vin Scully. And then, so once you get Vin Scully, then you, then we got Mattingly, then we got Tory. And you know, once you get Tory, he's kind of the godfather of the Yankees in a lot of ways. Right. And so once you get sure. Tory, then you're talking to Jeter and some of these other guys. And then of course, Girardi and Mariano, you know, all these guys, everybody, we really, you know, we, uh, you know, we, the only issue is we ran it about, about halfway through shooting, we ran into COVID. And so we had to shut down for a year. And so Ooh. that was a bit of an issue. And so that kind of, we didn't get to, you know, there's a few, you know, Posada was in Mexico. We couldn't get to Posada. Um, Reggie, uh, couldn't get to Reggie. He was working on another doc that he wasn't available. And so we couldn't get to a couple people. Um, but, uh, but we honestly, anybody we reached out to that we had the opportunity to get to, we got to, I mean, we've got to Ralph Terry who played, who, who played, you know, he pitched to Yogi and, yeah. you know, he, he lives two plane flights and a three and a half hour ride, car ride, uh, you know, away from civilization out in the middle of Kansas. And so, you know, and that's about as far as you can get in America these days, two flights and a three and a half hour drive. So, uh, we went, we, we, we went to the ends of the earth to, to make sure that this was a, a full and official kind of authorized, you know, story about Yogi and his life. And they just brought so much to this yeah. film, especially because some of the Billy Crystal and Bob Costas, especially for me, that really, those two guys really, and obviously Lindsay the most, but you know, and Dale, but that, that, that really resonated with me, uh, tremendously. One other thing I want to ask you, but then we'll kind of talk about a little, um, some film specifics. When you make a film like this, obviously you, you said it yourself, it's a labor of love and it's not, I know you like doing the other parts of it. But when it comes to, say, the promotional aspects of something, all right, so your film drops, you know, it's a film festival, it's on Netflix, and people are re starting to review it, and people are starting to comment about it, now you're getting asked to do, you know, interviews here, interviews there. Does that get a little bit exhausting? Again, Not, I know you're not complaining about it, so that's not what I'm insinuating, you know, whatsoever, but just the promotional aspect, just like I'm sure with musicians and authors when they put a book out, you know, doing the, the tours, promoting, the, in your case, promoting a film. Does that get a little bit tiring, a little bit exhausting at times for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, it definitely takes, it, it takes up some of your bandwidth. I mean, the, the biggest thing for me is like, I'm, I'm, I'm a very fortunately very busy person. I'm directing two documentaries right now, actually, and so, um, you know, to me, it's taking time away from those projects is the biggest thing. Sure. I'm, I'm directing. I played. I, I mentioned it earlier. I think I played rugby at West Point, and we won the uh, West Point won the rugby national championship in 2022. So I, I got official. Approval from the Pentagon to be embedded with the West Point rugby team for a year, so I followed them oh, wow. um, for a season, and so that'll be my next documentary. It's called Brothers. It's about the West Point rugby team, and it's probably you know the, the kind of hook there is it's arguably the most unique culture of any Division One athletic program in the country because they they have a really special thing going there. So so yeah, I'm directing that now. I'm working on another documentary about Buzz Aldrin. Um, Buzz is a West Point grad as well, lives out here in LA, and that's a fascinating one. So I'm working on all these other projects, and so the promotional, yeah, I mean. You know, this film was completed. You know, we we finished this film almost two years ago. So the fact that I'm still talking about it, yeah, it just, um, it, it, I'm just so glad. Honestly, I've got no complaints at all. I'm so glad it's been so well received. It, it's really um, been a real highlight of my of my professional and personal life. I'm going to take a real quick break. Come back. I got more with Sean Mullen. I want to dive a little bit more into the specifics or some of them anyway. Of uh, it ain't over. Be right back, folks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, I am back with Sean Mullen, director of the documentary, Yogi Bear documentary, It Ain't Over. Just absolutely fascinating. We were talking about some reviews earlier. And like I said, I mentioned uh, Tomato Meter in 98% rating that's just almost unheard of it literally is pretty much unheard of uh, on that site i i picked out a couple that i saw that kind of resonated with me i'm just read them real quick just a sentence or two on these um one review and this is from the austin chronicle says with the help of a slew of adoring talking heads it ain't over director sean mullen effortlessly validates his subject's legendary career through the film's zeal to restore him to his proper place uh boston movie news said See it, it will make you smarter, as Yogi would say. You can learn a lot by watching. I got a five-word review, man. And it to me, you'll laugh and you'll cry. That's how I felt about this, man. It was, I laughed. There was some funny parts, some some of the yogiisms, some people, you know, making fun of him lightheartedly, of course, you know, lovingly, affectionately, some of his yogiisms. A lot of that was funny. And then, like I said, it really highlights a lot of the uh the emotional stuff from post-career to the relationship with, with his wife that he had to the, the fallout with George Steinbrenner, which was just um, incredible. And one other thing, which I want to get to uh, in a moment, let's go back to Lindsay though, because uh, like I said, his granddaughter, big part of this documentary, um, she comments about his colorful personality, actually kind of in some regards, taken away from his legacy as, as a baseball player. I was blown away by her, throughout this film, you know, how intimately she knows her grandfather's life, how much he cares about it and, and his baseball career. Kind of let's start there. Let's talk about that, like her role in this. And also as it pertains to Yogi, just his colorful personality in ways. And you demonstrated this in the film kind of took away from his legacy as a player a little bit. Yeah. So, so no, Lindsay, I mean, she, like I said, she's one of the most incredible people I've ever met. I mean, you know, really carrying the torch for the family in so many ways. And, you know, she also has a background in, you know, sports journalism. And so it was kind of the, it was this really fortuitous marriage of, um, you know, elements that just kind of came together and, and, you know, she was not supposed to um, narrate the film. It's, it's funny when a lot of people watch the movie and, and review the movie, the movie starts out so strongly in her point of view, talking about this 2015 uh, um, 
uh, all-star game that most people mm -hmm. think the impetus for the film was that that's what most people think is like she started this but but it's that's something we discovered through the you know through the edit process and that's how documentaries sure. really work you kind of start with a thesis but you kind of let the story guide you a little bit you know and so no she's just really just an incredible person and and, and just been kind of the best spokesperson for the film and obviously for for yogi's legacy um joe tory i mean there's so many comments oh. in there that resonated with me but i you know again joe tory a manager near and dear to my heart all right so we're around the same age i actually got you by a couple of years the yankee i'm from buffalo but the new york yankees were my first love and they always have been so you know even as a very very young kid i, I remember the late 70s into the 80s when they kind of suffer for a while and then early 90s and joe tory comes aboard and obviously you know those dynasty teams but anyway, Joe Torrey had a quote um, in your doc, and it says, he may be overlooked, but he certainly wasn't overlooked by the people who know what they're looking for when it comes to uh, when it comes to baseball. I love that, and I loved the story that you told with uh, how he met his wife, Carmen, you know, and, and their love story. Lindsay oh. and the film, she shared one of the love letters of many that he wrote to her. He was a, again, you think of the baseball player, you know, the funny, the yogiisms. A romantic ass dude, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I think these days they'd call him a simp, right, or whatever the kids are saying. I don't know, right? You know, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, they. You know, people don't talk like that anymore. You know, he, he wore his heart on his sleeve, and I think that's what endeared him to so many people. Yeah, he wrote these just gushing, gushing love letters. Uh, you know, to um, you know, to 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 Carm, his beautiful wife, and he won her over and. And um, no, that was on day one of filming when we went to the museum. The museum, I highly recommend if you're anywhere near the New York City area, go to the museum of the Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center. It's in Montclair, New Jersey, about 10 miles from downtown Manhattan. And um, it's really incredible. And uh, the very first day, the very first thing, the, as soon as I meet Lindsay in person, she grabs me by the arm, says, Sean, look at this. And she dra drags me into this exhibit and it's all of his letters. I start reading these letters. I'm like, oh, we have to get those in the movie. Like we, I don't know how, I don't know where they're gonna fit. I don't how they're going to fit. And, you know, I had an incredible editor, Julian Robinson, this genius editor. And, and I said, Hey, find me a clip. If you could find me a clip of Carm reading with the letters, I kind of want to have one of those, but I also want to have Lindsay reading as well to kind of play off each other. So no, th those letters really, you know, there's a real emotional core. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing about this film is like, it's not a baseball movie. It's not even a sports movie, really. It's just about a, a movie about a life well lived. Right. And yeah. then, you know, that that's what we've kind of been pitching it as. I mean, I know this is a sports show and I, but like, it's amazing how many, how many non-sports fans, how many spouses and, you know, women and, and, you know, really, really love the movie, love the movie to death. I, um, we premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York and this woman uh, from Thailand was there and, and she was a guest of, uh, of, of someone who had brought her and she had never seen a baseball game. She had never been to New York and she she came up to me afterwards she says I don't know anything about baseball I don't know anything about the Yankees as my first time in America she goes I have one day left before I go back to Thailand I have one day and I'm gonna go to Yankee Stadium tomorrow is what she oh, told wow. me I mean wow. so just yeah and so it's stuff like that you know it's like okay this film is it's working on on levels that that we kind of could have never intended I can only imagine what that must feel like as a director you know when you hear something like that how fulfilling it must be, you know, the player himself, look, 10 time play as a champion or world series champion <laughs> as a player, 10 times, he won yeah. three AL MVPs, man, a 15 time all-star. But to your point, it's more than that. This is like the ultimate great American success story. I mm -hmm. loved how in, uh, important Carmen was in no. this film to him. And again, yeah. just being so much more about baseball. Uh, Bob Costas said it's a kid's game, but I don't think he ever lost sight of that. And you kind of, you get those vibes 
through it all. And again, you know, you highlight a lot of his career as a player. And for me, again, he retired, I think, in the mid 60s. So he was, a, as a player, he was before my time. Of course, I knew as growing up as a Yankee fan who Yogi Bear was, more so even as a kid, anyway, as a manager. And I do remember, and this really struck me too. I remember when he got hired by George Steinbrenner. And I remember, I think it was 1985. I don't even need notes for this part, Sean, because I remember <laughs> this shit as a Yankees fan. Got fired, what, 16 games or something like in the 1985. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of younger Yankee fans who might not know this, it really set off a uh, a cold war, so to speak, between George Steinbrenner and, and Yogi Bear. And I thought you did a great job uh, of telling that story. He didn't go to Yankee Stadium for 14 years. They, it's hard to believe, isn't it? They tried everything. They retired his number, and he wouldn't come back. And then and then we tell the story. In the film, uh, Tori tells a story about how when uh, he got his first ring in 96, and he asked uh, – yeah. He asked Yogi. He asked Yogi to come. Hey, will you come to the stadium uh, to 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 present me with my, you know, my my uh, World Series ring? And he said, you know, Joe, I love you, and you know that, but uh, there's no way I'm stepping foot in that stadium, you know. Yeah. And so it was. It was really. He was a man of his word, you know. I think that's another thing that really resonates with people, you know. One thing that I'll always appreciate about whether it's your documentary or any documentary is when I can, especially if I'm a fan of the subject, when I can learn stuff that even if I'm a fan, I don't know. And one thing that I did, had no idea about that I learned through watching your film was Susie Waldman being so, you know, responsible for getting George and, and Yogi together mm-hmm. and kind of mending those fences. She had a lot. To, so did Carmen, of course, once they got in that room, <laughs> the film. but the point being, you know, she, she didn't even know, she said she didn't even know Yogi. She worked, you know, she knew George, but didn't know Yogi. She played a, a central role kind of, so to speak, in, in that reunion between them after all those years. Yeah, no, no, it, 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 it was incredible. And interviewing her was amazing. And she has some really great quotes too about baseball in the film and just about, you know, the legacy of these players and stuff. And, you know, she's a real national national treasure for sure. Yeah, and then um, another thing too, I got a couple more things, but, but Dale Bear, I, I just, I liked him being open and honest about his cocaine use, his drug use when he was younger and mm-hmm. telling his story at one point where Yogi said, you know, I'm not going to be your father anymore. Karma's not going to be your mother anymore. You know, clean your shit up. And, yeah. and he did. And again, you know, this kind of is, this is where it's just about a lot more than just sports. You know what I mean? This is life stuff that we all are around every day. I was just, I was really fascinated. I, I was moved by that. I, I thought he was very well or represented himself very well in the family in this film. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, that was a big, big piece of the puzzle for me. I, I definitely wanted to include all as much of, of him off the diamond as as on the diamond. I, I was very adamant too with my editor. Um, the baseball is at least Yogi playing baseball is done by the end of the first act. At, at minute 30, it's a 98 minute documentary. And by minute 30, there's no more baseball. I mean, as far as Yogi playing now, there's other, sure. obviously other, you know, there's clips and stuff and, and, and there, but, but for the most part, I mean, the, a majority of baseballs, you know, his career is wrapped up. And, and so, you know, d- diving into the family stuff, diving into the love story with Carm, diving into the Steinbrenner stuff and, uh, you know, the whole public persona, you know, the, you know, people, he was a jokey kind of funny guy. And I think, I think society is uncomfortable when the jester is also the king, but, you know, Yogi was both, you know, and, and society doesn't know how to, 
we, we can't wrap our brains around somebody being both funny and good, you know, like in the film business in LA, you know, comedies don't win Oscars, right? Cause they're not good. You know, they're, you know, they're not prestige or whatever. So like, mm-hmm. there's this weird thing. And I've always been fascinated by that. Cause, and, and that's a lot from my background too, being a comedy person, but also being, you know, in the military and stuff like that and kind of bouncing between worlds. So that's something I sunk my teeth into. And uh, you know, another big piece I sunk my teeth into being a, a veteran was just his, his, his service in world war two and in, in Normandy. I mean, sure. it's a big deal. I mean, it's a, a big deal to say I can't swim, but I'm going to volunteer for the Navy, you know, yeah. uh, and, and I'm going to go and I'm going to volunteer for D-Day, you know. And so, you know, it's just, um, you know, that was something I really wanted to make a meal of. And I, I'm really proud of that section of the film. Let me tell you the the part of the, the, the flick where it got to be waterfalls for me. And that <laughs> is so again, 14 years, he doesn't come to the stadium Him and George. They apologize. God, I, I was moved by that itself. And then the uh, Yogi Bear Day at the stadium. Oh. And it brought me back to a place and, and brought in, brought out emotions in me that I forgot that I had once had. You can't, you can't write. You would think no, this was No, they throw the script away. They throw the script away. If you would, you wrote yeah, you would, you would think this is ridiculous fiction on Yogi Bear Day. And you highlight this so well with the musical scores and everything. I swear to God, Sean, I'm not lying to you. I literally, quite literally, was crying. I was quite literally, tears were rolling down my face in a good way during that part. I have seen that sequence. First of all, th- thank you so much. That was the first sequence we cut. We knew that was going to be kind of the, the 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 pinnacle kind of catharsis, cathar- you know, cathartic moment of the film. And so we cut that first. I have seen the film probably over a thousand times. I actually still get the, ch- I don't cry. I don't cry anymore, but I still, I still, I mean, I put the scene oh. together. I made the film. I've seen it. I still get the chills. I still get the chills watching it. So there's something, um, there's some sort of like emotional, uh, just arithmetic that you can't deny about that moment. But no, it's really something special. And it, it's it's definitely, you know, I, I again, this is, goes back to my Columbia film school days. You know, we're, we're taught as soon as you arrive, like all great stories go back to Aristotle, right? And it's crisis catharsis. So first act crisis, third act catharsis. And so this, for us, this crisis was Yogi Bear has been overlooked. You know, he, um, you know, people don't see him, you know, in the, in the way they should as a player and as a person. And, you know, the catharsis is people will never, ever forget you know, who Yogi truly was. And so that arc of the film, you know, is, is how we, you know, from just a pure craft standpoint, that's how I put the film together. And, and that moment there of, of that uh, Yogi Bear day is something that, you know, I think Jeter says it's a day he'll never forget as long as he lives. You know, he said, it doesn't make sense, you know, doesn't make sense. And I don't want to give this scene yeah. away because I want people yeah. to go and I want you to watch it. I want you to feel for yourself. The one thing I will say is Don Larson, who you normally would leave a game early sticking around yeah. and Joe Girardi without saying a single word, oh. without saying a single word. I think that might've been what set me off. It was only <laughs> the third or fourth inning. I won't give anything else away, ah. but just his face. That shot of his face completely got it oh. going for me. At that point, I'm like legit. <laughs> anyway, just absolutely uh, amazing. And then again, near the end, uh, you know, as he's physically and health-wise deteriorating and, and Carmen sadly actually ends up dying before him. But Dale telling the story of oh. their last day again. I don't want to give, you know, too many specifics away here. But their last day together, Yogi and Carmen and that story that Dale tell and, and just, you know, the emotion and the crackling of his voice that movie as well, man, just such beautiful, so beautifully told. 
Thanks, man. No, no, that's that was one of those. You know, when you're making documentary, you know, you've got hundreds of hours of footage to sift through, thousands when it comes to archival, and you know, there are moments. You know, it gets long and it takes years. And and I remember interviewing Dale, telling that story about their last day together, and I was like. I, during the interview, I started welling up with tears. So I'm like, you know, it's going to end up in the film. You know, that that's the beauty of making a documentary. You do all this stuff and all these things. And then there'll be a moment there'll be where you're like, it's in the movie. I mean, that you, I can see it in the film and I know how it's going to play. And, and that's what you do all the work for is those moments, you know? Sure. Um, and then the very last scene, which again, I'm crying happy tears <laughs> from yogi bear day then very sad tears and then i'm back at the end dude i'm like i got like my fist pump going involving the president of the united states just leave it at that again fans watch the flick and you'll know what i'm talking about but what a great strong way to a sentimental good way to, to end this film man just god it just blew me away i'm acting like a fanboy right now this is crazy sean and <laughs> i've had adam Schefter on this show i've had so many you know media people athletes and yeah, whatever i'm just I'm, I'm blown away i'm humbled by watching this film i'm just uh you know being a yankees fan it just opened up pandora's box for me in so many ways one last thing i want to somebody on your twitter actually one on your twitter um left a, a tweet and you retweeted it. And I thought this was really poignant to and really sticks with whether you're old, whether you're young, someone named Dan Malin, he, he wrote on your, on your Twitter, you retweeted. He said, my dad is 93, just went down and got Netflix set up for him so he could watch happy, happiest I've seen him in a long time. I feel that same way. You know what I mean? Happiest I've been watching anything Yankee related for sure in a very long time. And I started thinking to myself, whether you're middle-aged like me, whether you're old enough to have watched Yogi Bear and seen him play, or whether you're a young kid who's just coming up, you know, and your and mom and dad are Yankees fans, and now by default you're a Yankees fan, and you're starting to learn a little bit about the history of this team. You're not going to find a better film that's going to be more central about one of the best players to ever play this game, let alone the Yankees, than, uh, than Yogi Bear, man. Just... I'm just blown away. As I, as <laughs> I'm out of questions. It's more like <laughs> it, man. I'm just I'm completely blown away by this. Again, maybe the best, certainly sports documentary. Just one overall, like you said, not even about sports. It's one of the best documentary, best films I've ever seen, man. Well, thank you so much, man. This is really incredible, honestly. And and you know, it it it's always nice too when you know you get a lot of um. You know, we've got you know Sony Pictures Classics is our distributor. They're a big distributor. You know, we bought the film. You know, or they they bought the film from us uh, out of the Tribeca Film Festival in in 2022. And and they've set up a lot of press for us, right? And we've talked to and I was able to be on you know all these different shows and ESPN and all these different things, and they've been wonderful. But but when an opportunity like this comes up where I just see a, a beautiful tweet from someone I have no idea who they are, and I reply so to you, cool. and then I send you a little DM and saying, hey, man, I'd love to chat. If you'd like to chat, we set this up. I mean, it's a very organic uh, way to, to spread the word about the film, and it, it makes me feel good. I just really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me, and I hope you know, I hope uh, everyone out there listening gets a chance to check it. It's on Netflix um, for a bit, and um, I'm actually doing – we're in the conversation for the awards conversation for the Oscars, actually. Oh. And so I'm doing a screening with Billy Crystal in, in New York City uh, 
I, and I think there might be tickets available. I, I might as well put a little plug in. I think it's yeah. Thursday, Thursday, December 7th in New York City. Uh, I'm scheduled. I, it's, it, we're waiting. Actually, we're waiting for confirmation, I think, today on the actual theater and stuff. But but yeah, I think Billy, Crystal, and I are going to do a Q&A in New York City screening of the film. So anyone in the New York area wants to come out for that, there should be tickets left, um, hopefully. And um, yeah, I mean, we're just in it. But it's on Netflix, and it's on Amazon, and just um i appreciate the time this has really been just a, a really wonderful interview well i wish you the best of luck when it comes to all that and again one more time for fans if you haven't seen it already go check it out it ain't over netflix amazon thanks sean appreciate you very much and uh appreciate everybody for watching and listening thank you very much be back with a brand new episode tomorrow talk to you then